Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Good morning, Life Church. Glad you're joining us. Um, we are in our series called Wake Up the House, and we are in our four-part series in regards to having a life that is beyond blessed. Now, the whole focus of being beyond blessed means that the blessing, it doesn't end with me. It starts with me. I want to be a blessing to other people. Now, today we're going to talk about marriage and how we can have a beyond blessed marriage, where it's not just going to end with me and my wife. I'm actually, because we have this amazing relationship, we are going to to be a blessing to other marriages, to the world, to people who are looking at us, to our children. We want to have a beyond blessed marriage. And I hope this morning, while you are listening, you are saying, I want a beyond blessed marriage also. Let me start by giving you a bit of a picture. Now, uh, we've done some home renovations. Uh, What we do is we buy a home, we move into it, we renovate it, we sell it, we move to the next home. And we've done this a few times and we've come across this problem that I'm going to tell you about once. We were busy renovating a home and we just finished it and we moved into the home. And one of the walls in the home that we just finished renovating, it it got a crack that ran down the wall from the top of the ceiling all the way down to the floor. Kind of where the two drywall um, sheets would be uh, bonded together with, with the mud. There was just a crack that ran all the way down. So I called a friend of mine, he's a drywaller and a painter, and I asked him to come and fix this line that's running down the middle of the wall. He came over, he, he, he looked at it, he, he did his thing that he had to do. He re-mud, put the mud back on, sanded, waited, dried, everything that you're supposed to do. He did all of it, painted it. I paid him, it looked great. He's gone. About a month later, the crack's back. It's running down the wall again. So I called my friend again. I said to him, hey, you know that job that you did for me where where you fix the crack in the wall? Well, it's not fixed. The crack is back. He comes back, sands it off, remuds, sands everything else that you're supposed to. He does the whole thing, fixes the wall. It looks great. He paints it. I pay him. Thankful for the work. He's gone. 30 days later, the crack's back again. But this time the crack brought his family with him. And it's not just one line. Now other panels are showing these lines also. So I decided, let me get get a different contractor to fix this job because my friend really just works on small jobs. This is now becoming a bigger job. So I called the guy out. He looked at it. He showed up, looked at it, looked at all the different cracks down the wall, looked at it again, looked at it again. And then he said to me, I'm sorry, I can't fix that. I said, why not? You are skilled at this. This is why I called you. He said, no, I am not. Because what you have is not a crack problem. You have a foundation problem. It's not a paint problem or a mudding problem. You have a shifting foundation. The wall is merely the symptom of a much deeper problem. And if you don't fix the foundation, You will forever be busy with patching up cracks on your wall. Now, I can teach on how to fix the cracks in your relationship. 
can help you with conflict management, better communication, better intimacy, financial cracks. There are family relational cracks. I can teach you on all those things. But my goal is not to focus on the cracks that's currently in the relationship with your wife, in your marriage relationship. But I want to spend time today talking about your foundation, your marriage foundation. Because I firmly believe there's nothing better in this world than having a beyond blessed marriage. Nothing is greater than having a wife or a husband and the two of you are content and working together. But what my painter friend told me and my contractor friend told me is that unless for those of you who are struggling, unless you fix the foundation, unfortunately, you will not be able to have a beyond blessed marriage. People spend piles of money to fix cracks but they never address the shifting foundation. Now I can become a counselor qualified as a marriage counselor and I can charge $250 per session and I can keep tell people, telling people why they need to come back next week. But I, what I want to do for you, for those of you listening, I want to do my best to explain the foundation because even with a solid foundation, there will be cracks that show up, but the difference is when those cracks show up, you can actually fix them and patch them and move on because you have a solid foundation that your relationship is built upon. It's not shifting. It's not small arguments becoming bigger than what they're supposed to be because your foundation of marriage is solid. So while the church, and I want you to hear me, believers, Christians, while we proclaim that our faith works, it should be visible in our marriages also. We should not resemble the world with the results of our marriage. Our marriages should be resembling what they're supposed to be when God, God created marriage. Like the man, there was a man who was at a, at a graveyard and he was on his knees and he's pounding in front of the, the tombstone. Why? Why did you have to die? Why? And, he, and he's crying. He's, he's, there's desperation in his voice. Why? And another man came to, to the graveyard and he saw him on his knees and had sympathy for him. And he went up to him and he said, oh, I, I'm so sorry. Is that your wife? And he said, no, it's her first husband. Why? Why did you have to die? What? Did you know that God's primary reason for marriage is not your happiness like the man on his knees pounding the grave? Let me just repeat that statement. God's primary reason for marriage is not your happiness. To which some of you will go, well, he succeeded. <laughs> and that's a shocker. Because for many of us, when personal happiness becomes the meaning of marriage, and then when we don't feel personally happy anymore, then we don't want to be married anymore. If that is your definition, what defines marriage, your purpose for being in it, the moment you are not as happy like you were the day you got married or the first year or first few years, that's many people leave marriage just because it feels like their happiness is not there anymore. Happiness is not the meaning of marriage. It's a result from the original purpose. You can have a fulfilled and happy marriage. 
but there is a kingdom purpose for marriage. And I want to be clear on this. If you've experienced divorce, if you're listening to this message, this is not a message to condemn anybody. But I want to show you what the Bible says about marriage and about how important marriage is in the Bible and how serious God is about marriage. And I want to show you why. And I hope for those of you who are listening who might have gone through divorce or planning to get married, might be married right now, I hope this, this message will inspire and motivate you, like all the messages, to bring correction, to align yourself under God's foundation so that you will be able to build again or build on it or continue to build. Now, Matthew 19 verse 3, the Pharisees came to Jesus testing him and saying to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And Jesus answered and said to them, are you crazy? Have you lost your marbles? He said, are you smoking something? What are you thinking? No, the actual words that he said was, have you not read? But that is really what he was thinking. Have you not read? In other words, have you never read the Torah yourself? You are Pharisees and, and, and Sadducees. You guys are supposed to know the word better than everybody else. He said, if you've read, you wouldn't even have to ask me this question. So verse 3, the Pharisees came to him saying, testing him. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. He's quoting Genesis 1, 26 and 27. God made them male and female. And he said, for this reason, for this reason, he made them male and female for this reason. What is the reason? The reason is marriage. He's talking about marriage for this reason, for marriage, a man shall leave his father and mother and he will be joined to his wife. The reason for leaving father and mother is marriage. To be joined. Now the word joined is a word that we would use or they used to explain a yoke. A yoke that keeps animals together. The word here is he will be equally yoked to his wife. That means each person does his share. And that's the only way marriage works. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and he will be equally yoked to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. I want you to understand how serious God thinks about marriage. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think, do you think Jesus exaggerates? Do you think Jesus has the need to exaggerate? Do you think he lies? Do you think he stretches the truth just a little bit to get a point across? For example, like when he told the disciples, very truly, I tell you, it's good for you that I'm going away because unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. Did Jesus just say that to them to kind of ease their, their sadness because he's going to leave them? Did he think, you know what, I'm just, I just want to kind of soothe them a little bit. So I'm going to tell them somebody else is going to come and it's going to be better for them when the other person. Do you think Jesus stretched the truth? No, no. 
In the same capacity here, when Jesus says the two will become one, the two become one, they will become one flesh, that is the truth. And then he goes on, therefore, what God has joined together made one, let no man, that would be the husband as well, let no man or any person separate. So this is the answer to the question they asked him, is there any reason to divorce? He said, no, no, there isn't. God's view on marriage is serious. Have you not read that when God made them in the beginning, he made them male and female and the man will leave his father and mother and he will be joined to his wife and they will be equally yoked. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not any person in this world separate that. That's his answer. Have you not read that in the beginning God made them male and female and that he makes the statement. He makes a statement for this reason. What's the reason? What reason? The reason, what's the reason for marriage? Why is he so serious about marriage? So I'm going to show you three reasons why God looks at marriage seriously and why Jesus' answer was a serious answer. Number one. Marriage represents God. Matthew 19, and he answered, Have you not read that you made them, made them beginning, made them male and female? For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother, and they will be joined. That's Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, Let us make man. Now, let us, let me ask you, is us singular or plural? Plural, very good. Let us make man. And that word man, remember from past teachings, I hope you know this, means mankind. Let us make mankind. It's not let us make male. He didn't say let us make male in our image. He said let us make mankind. Male and female, he created them. Let us make mankind in our image. Our is plural, according to our, to our likeness. Let us make them to our likeness. Let them, male and female, plural, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds in the air, over the cattle, over all the cattle of the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created mankind, again, that's the word here, in Hebrew, mankind, in his own image. In the image of God, in the reflection, in the portrait, he created him, Male and female, he created them. Male and female represents the image of God, but not just any man and any woman, a husband and a wife, because Adam and Eve were joined together. They weren't living in sin because there was no sin. The sin was eating from the tree that they weren't allowed to eat from. The other stuff they were doing, that was fine. That was fun. She tried when you're married because they were married. So when God wanted to create it, create a portrait of himself on earth, he created marriage. God said, let us put our image, our likeness on the earth. And he put a married couple on the earth. Marriage is the image of God. Male is not the image of God. And all the women that's listening to this message probably go, praise God. Thank you. I'm also saying thankful. Male and female is the image of God. Do you want to know why Satan hates marriage so much? And why he's trying to attack, destroy, and kill marriages? Because it's the image of God on earth. Satan did not attack Adam. 
He did not attack until the image of God appeared on earth. He wasn't scared of man by himself. He was scared when God showed up. When he looked at God and he saw the image of God, but he didn't see it in just Adam. He saw it in Adam and Eve joined together. Now, I know some of you are thinking, God is a triune God. For some of you, that's a theological term you don't understand. Triune means he is three in one. He created male and female, and that's his image. His image, though, is three in one, but marriage is two become one flesh. That's because marriage is supposed to be husband, wife, and God. Now, that is a beyond blessed marriage. That is a beyond blessed marriage. And that is the only way marriage works. Where husband and wife are totally submitted to God. When you get three in one, hell can't stand against you. No attack will have any effect on you. So your marriage, know this, your marriage that you are currently in is supposed to represent the image of God. Number two. Marriage represents Christ and the church. This is why marriage is so important. Ephesians 5, great passage. What I want you to see is watch. There are three words that it starts with and watch what verse it again quotes from Genesis. Now, this is a passage most people have heard at weddings. It says, Genesis 5, 31, for this reason, have you ever seen that before? Yeah, I just think I did. Matthew 19, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and he will be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each of you in a particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Ephesians 5.31, let me read that again. For this reason, in other words, we are the image bearers of God. Marriage, this is the reason. We are the image bearers of God on earth. For this reason, a man being the image bearer will leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife. He will be glued to his wife. He's not glued to his parents anymore. He's glued to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ in the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you particularly love your own wife. Now he's talking to men as himself. And now he's talking to women and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, as a man, based on that scripture, you are representing Christ. Men, husbands, you are a representation of Christ in your marriage as a husband. And as a woman, as a wife, you are representing the church. Husbands, I'll start with you. Let's say that you're trying to win a buddy, win a buddy for the Lord. You're trying to get, uh, convince a friend that, that, you know, God loves him and God wants, God cares for him and God, his son died for him. Let's say you're at that place where, where he's listening to what you are saying. And your friend says the following, you know, if I give my life to God, how would God treat me? How would God treat me when, when I surrender? This should be your answer. Well, 
friend, Dave, Greg, James, whatever your friend's name is, you know the way I treat my wife? God's going to treat you just like I treat my wife because, because that's what Christ did for us. God's going to treat you like the way I treat my, life, my, my, my wife. Would you like to be saved? What would Joey say? Oh, God's going to treat me like you treat your wife? I don't want to be saved. I don't want to be laughed at. I don't want to be put down. I don't want to be, be made fun of. I don't want to be talked about when I'm not there behind my back. I don't want to be cheated on. I don't want to be ordered around. And unfortunately, husbands, that is the representation that we are showing people regarding Christ for the church. You are his representative in your marriage. But what Joey should say is, you mean I'm going to be loved? I'm going to be protected? I'm going to be honored? I'm going to be treated like I'm royalty? Yes, I want that. Yes, I want to accept Christ. If Jesus treats me like you treat your wife, I know that I am loved. Ladies, let's say you're talking to another lady and says, you know, you know, I don't really know how to pray. I don't know how to talk to the Lord. Well, let me give you the example in Scripture. I want you to know how to talk to the Lord. It's going to be your answer to it. You talk to the Lord. Stacy, Laura, Lisa, whatever your name might be. You talk to the Lord the same way I speak to my husband. What is she going to say? You mean, you mean I can cuss God out? You mean I can be disrespectful to him? You mean I can point out his weaknesses even though he has none? To everybody around me? You mean I can be disrespectful and not honoring him? Please hear me. Marriage is a lot more important than you think. This is why Jesus got upset when they said, is it okay to divorce? You know what he was thinking? He was thinking, would it be okay for the Trinity to get divorced, to be separated? Have you not read that you represent us on earth and you are not only representing the Trinity, you represent me, Christ, and the church. It's not just marriage. It's Christ and the church that is represented when you represent marriage. That's what Ephesians 5 says. Marriage, a husband and a wife represent Christ in the church. Third thing, last one. Marriage represents covenant. Covenant, covenant. Now, a lot of people, we don't have a lot of covenants today. I hope you are catching how important marriage is to God. I hope this is just settling your heart that you realize God doesn't look at this lightly. It's his image on earth. It represents Christ and the church. Your marriage is God's image representing Christ and the church. But it also represents a covenant. Now in Malachi, um, which is a, a book in the Old Testament, Malachi 2, he's telling them why he is not accepting their offerings. And the first reason is their faith is out of order. He's saying the first reason why I'm not accepting your offerings is your faith, it's out of order. The second reason why I'm not accepting your offerings is because your family is out of order. And the third reason is because your finances is out of order. Malachi 2.14. Yet you say, for what reason? Isn't it amazing that the other two passages also begins, for this reason? Now they're saying, for what reason 
are you not accepting our offering? Because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth, with whom you have dealt treacherously. Yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. We have to understand covenant. A covenant is not a contract. Today, marriage has become very contractual. But marriage is a covenant. She is your wife and your loved one by covenant. In a contract, which many of us understand, the purpose of a contract is to make sure that we protect our rights. These are my rights. And we limit our responsibilities. This is what I'm responsible for to make sure that I get what the contract says. If you're buying a house, you are entering into a business agreement. It's a contract. You're trying to protect your rights. You're trying to limit your responsibilities. But a covenant, covenant with God and a marriage covenant, a covenant is different than that. It's almost opposite from that. In a covenant, we give up our rights and we pick up our responsibilities. This should be our example to the world. If a lost person says, how do I know that God will keep his word to me? You should be able to answer this way. Look at how my wife and I have kept our word. Because you see, we entered into a covenant. Let me just remind you of the covenant that you entered into if you're married. The covenant that you entered into says the following. For richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health. Here's one. For better or what? Or worse. I've done a lot of marriage counseling. And people will say, well, it's just really gotten bad. To which I go, yes. Yes. That's what you signed up for. And then, most of us, when we continue on with our vows, we just couldn't shut up because it goes on. Till death do us part. That is the covenant that you entered into with marriage. An example, I guess um, I should say, for the new covenant, not the old covenant, the new covenant that God has made with us. I want to show an example. I'm just going to paint a picture for you. God said the following. This is His new covenant. His new covenant is, I'm going to love you. I am going to protect you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to bless you. I've got a plan for you. I'm going to be your father. God says, that's my part. Now your part in the covenant, Andreas, Lucy, John, James, whoever's listening, your part, that's what I'm going to do. Your part in the covenant is, Jesus, Jesus, would you come over here? And the son walks over to the father and the Lord says, okay, Jesus, this is Andreas. You can put your own name there. Andreas is not going to be able to keep the covenant. So son, I was wondering if you would go to earth and if you would fulfill the covenant for Andreas and you'd live the life that he can't live. And also, Jesus, I need you to die the death that he should have died. 
And Jesus said, yes, I'll do it. And then the father said to me, do you believe that Jesus lived the life that you couldn't live? And he died the death that you should have died. And, and I remember I was 19 years old when I said, yes, I do. I do. I believe that Jesus died on my behalf. I believe it. And then my father said to me, you're in a covenant now. And you're my son. And I'll never leave you. And I'll never forsake you. Never, never, never. No matter what you've done or what you've been through. See, that's what marriage is. Listen, even if my spouse doesn't keep her end of the covenant, I'll keep mine. That's marriage. And we're telling the world, this is what God is like. He is a covenant keeping God. Even when we fail, He keeps His promises. And we are supposed to live that way in our marriages also. God is a covenant-keeping God. That's why Satan hates marriage. Please, I hope today in this marriage, you didn't hear condemnation. Because it might be that I said something that might have offended you in this message. I hope that is not what stuck with you. I know the enemy, he doesn't want you to hear how important your marriage is. He doesn't want us to, to work through getting our foundation solid on what marriage is. <coughs> he wants to destroy marriages. And I know sometimes it's hard. It's okay to have struggles. It's okay to get helpful believers. It's okay to ask for prayer. But I hope that you start today with evaluating is my foundation for my marriage built in such a way that I can have a beyond blessed marriage? Because without having the truth in your mind and in your heart that marriage represents God, husbands and wife represents Christ and the church. And as a marriage couple, we represent the covenant that God have with us as believers. Without having that and understanding how serious it is, Without that, you'll just keep fixing cracks. And I hope that is not the case for any of you. Let's pray. Father God, I want to pray for the marriage foundations today. And I pray that, that in this word that I've spoken, there, there's some truth that penetrates the hearts. Where they realize, wow, I've been playing around with this. And this is way more serious than, than what I've thought. God has put way more into marriage than just simply two people deciding to live together and see if it's going to work. God, we represent you with our marriages. We represent you to this world. And I pray that we will take this mandate that you've given us seriously. And Father, I want to pray for those who feel that they've too far down the track that nothing can fix their relationship. I want to pray for your hope to enter in. And for those who've given up, I want to pray for you to again, Holy Spirit, remind them that with our God, anything is possible. I pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church audio podcast. 
If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the Word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.